welcome to Just an Ordinary Girl. I'm your host. My husband calls me babe, my kiddos call me mama, but you can call me Stevie. I'm Just an Ordinary Girl, helping listeners find the extraordinary life through the extraordinary God. ways to learn life lessons are as follows. You can either watch how people do it wrong and do the opposite, or watch how people excel at something and do what they do. I used to watch Dr. Phil every single day. I made sure kids were napping or occupied and I'd call it my break. I'd get cozy and flip on the show, and then one day I thought, I wonder why Dr. Phil never does a story on people who are succeeding in life. I want to see what they are doing. I've always been like that. I've used to read marriage books years before I ever got married. And I got married at 22 years old. My desire to have a good marriage was just as strong as my desire to even have a marriage. So when I met my husband and realized that he was a talker, I felt I'd hit the jackpot. returned to college from winter break a couple weeks early so that I could work. None of my roommates or friends had returned, so I took advantage and came home from work and was in my PJs by 6.30 every night, ready to watch whatever was on my tiny little TV. Well, one night, about 9 o'clock p.m., I get a knock at my door. A downstairs neighbor had also returned early and was bored and wanted to see if, if I wanted to hang out, and he brought with him a very handsome man. So, of course, I let him in. We sat in the living room after I made my futon bed back into a living room couch. While my neighbor watched whatever was on that tiny TV, the handsome man and I talked all night long. We realized that it was 5 a.m. and that we should probably wake my neighbor up and they should probably leave. I think having two guys spend the night was frowned upon at Bible college. (laughs) So I said a tired goodbye to the handsome man and then I called my friend to cancel the blind date that she was setting me up on that very day. That was the first of many eight-hour conversations that I've had with my husband. We recently celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, and if we add in our short courtship and engagement, I have officially reached the half of my life with him milestone. And if we do anything right in our marriage, it's communication. So I am praying that you are the watch-how-people-excel-at-something kind of learner, because we'll never be featured on Dr. Phil, that's for sure. We've learned a lot over the past 20 years, and if you've tried to learn from us in those early years, you'd be in a heap of trouble. But if you can start at where we are now, life will be much, much easier. This is a bonus episode to the Evolution of Communication podcast. If you have the time, part one is foundational to a successful communication with your spouse. It would be very beneficial to listen to part one first. And if you aren't married, you're going to have to just forgive my constant reference to a spouse or to my husband. And you can just know that you can use anything I say here and put it into any relationship that you're having. And in part one, I mentioned the evolution of communication that I've gone through. So just bear with me for a second while I recap. In our first year, we really just spent the year learning how to live with a roommate that we were madly in love with and slightly annoyed with at the same time. We loved each other, but we had to figure out each other's habits, good and bad. We had to adjust how we did things to accommodate another person in the way that they did things. And many times, instead of communicating properly, 
We let tiny things get under our skin. If I face some of those annoyances now, 20 years later, in my 40s and not my 20s, I just step right over them and move on. We quickly learn that where the mail is put does not warrant World War III. A sock on the floor next to an empty laundry basket just isn't worth the fight. Do you know that you can pick up a sock in about 1.5 seconds, but an argument over that same sock can last 1.5 decades? Okay, maybe that's a stretch, but I have seen too much in counseling sessions with couples who are still arguing about trivial things that happened years and years ago. They let it go way too far and for way too long. This sums up about the first year of my marriage. We'd go night after night, staying up way too late, talking and practicing, oh, such great communication. And yet there were nights that we'd go to bed and I'd sit up and cry because of a simple misunderstanding or how the dishes didn't get put where I thought they should go. And he most likely never even knew where they should go. Those early years were years of learning. I'd cry thinking, why can't he read my mind? And he would be so flustered thinking, why can't she just tell me what she's thinking? We knew how to talk, but not always how to communicate. Communication has many definitions. The main one is pretty simple. It's the imparting or exchanging of information or news. But one of the sub-points of the definition is really what we want to be striving for. It's the successful conveying or sharing of ideas and feelings. To be successful in communication means you do so with respect, love, and you walk away closer to one another, not further apart. So on nights that we'd get into these heated arguments, my husband would retreat to the bedroom, and I'd take my position in the living room with my broken heart, and I'd cry that he just didn't know how things were and blah, blah, blah. And he would just sit in the bedroom wondering what in the world he was supposed to be doing. We were so young, and we assumed that because we loved to talk, that we'd be fine. But no matter how hard I tried, my husband could not read my mind, and no matter how loud I cried. So here's tip number one. No one can read your mind. If you haven't told your spouse, assume they don't know. Of course, telling each other needs to be done in love and with the utmost respect. Of course, there are ways of letting your thoughts be known, and we're going to get to that. But first, you have to realize that what's in your head stays in your head until you actually express it. That poor spouse of yours can try, but most likely will never know what they don't know. Of course, proper timing, tone, love, and respect are needed, but actually, speaking is really important. Assume that no one knows what you haven't expressed. There's a lot to this, and I'll come back to it, but by our second year of marriage, we knew that we needed better communication. We began practicing expressing ourselves before an argument arose. This required us to be humble as the other person ventured out to express their thoughts. If my husband was willing to tell me that I was too loud when I got up at 5 a.m. to get ready for work, I didn't really have the chance to get mad. I couldn't really rage back at how hard it was for me to get up that early because, you know, 5 a.m. is really early, you guys. But I had to respect his frustration. I had to seek to understand and either offer another solution or simply work on being quieter. And whatever your bigger issues may be, I'd like to stop for just a moment and just let you know that every example that I give is going to be something that would never embarrass my spouse or give my marriage a bad reputation. So please know that even though I may be giving very small, silly examples, you know you can put these things into practice even with big things. So even though it's a minute thing, I really did have to work on either acknowledging his feelings or 
being quieter in the mornings. Nothing will halt communication faster than a prideful heart. If you never do anything wrong, your spouse will quickly realize that talking to you is useless. Resentment will eventually creep in and your marriage will stall. Coming to one another willing to serve one another and change what you can along the way goes a long way. The next 10 years brought four kids into our marriage and communication looked a tad bit different. It was suddenly all about babies. I mainly told him what to do and he mainly just did it. He worked all day at a pretty demanding job and I stayed home with pretty demanding kids. When he walked in the door, our communication sounded a lot like this. Hey, babe, grab a crying kid because I'm tired and I'm trying to make dinner. (laughs) This continued for what seemed a very long time. The time that we were both home were spent raising other flawed humans. Stress, lack of sleep, pure exhaustion. It really puts pressure on a marriage. Thankfully, we had a few years before kids came, and we, were, we had spent those years learning how to successfully communicate, and it probably saved us. However, in those years, the primary form of communication was just the first part of the definition. We were just giving news, telling each other about the messes, the chaos, the mishaps of having a newborn, a toddler, a preschooler, and a new homeschooler in exchange for the list of events at my husband's job as a group home manager. By the time the kids were finally tucked into bed, we were half asleep. We didn't argue because we rarely had time to. But we couldn't thrive on that form of communication. This is common during those early years. But one thing we tried to do to to be more deliberate was to keep the TV off once in a while when the kids went to bed and we could set aside a time to chat, just the two of us, even if it was just 30 minutes. It wasn't easy, didn't happen every night, But successful communication between a husband and wife needs to exist more than just spewing information. You aren't a broadcast. You're a married couple who needs to connect. Setting aside purposeful time allows you to be prepared and undistracted. So I always feel like I have this ability to monitor my kids' activities also while listening to my husband talk. I feel like I am 100% listening even if my eyes are kind of looking past him at the boys' rough having housing in their living room. I feel like I'm 100% active in the conversation, while I am also 100% active in my daughter's chitter-chatter in the other room. However, when my husband's trying to talk to me, he does not fully appreciate my amazing multitasking abilities. He just wants my full attention. He wants to communicate with me knowing that I am fully part of the conversation. Totally reasonable, right? And out of respect and a desire to have open communication, I really need to honor his respect for my full attention. Now it would be another story altogether if he was trying to hold an important conversation with me in the middle of teaching my kids, or in the middle of bath time with a baby, or in the middle of preparing dinner. Anytime you need to discuss something important with your spouse, timing is really significant. Another example of bad timing would be if in the middle of a heated disagreement, you choose to tell your husband or your wife what they're doing wrong. If you feel hurt or discouraged in the middle of a heated argument, those feelings will be lost in the heap of emotions swirling around and they're probably not going to get properly addressed. Setting aside time to connect also gives you time to pray. If you have to address an issue that needs to be solved, spending time in prayer before the conversation does a body good. If you choose to express yourself, to your spouse in the midst of you being upset, 
you're more likely to use your time accusing and putting your spouse on the defensive than getting your real point across. And don't spend every opportunity that you have to communicate to air grievances. Spewing information at another person is not the only communication you need in a marriage. Of course, many conversations you have might just be that. With kids, it's almost impossible not to. But we, again, are not news broadcasters. However, to successfully have an open line of communication in a marriage, it needs to go beyond this. You need to be discussing God's word, discuss your hopes and dreams, discuss your marriage, discuss your love for one another. Spend time expressing love towards your spouse in words. Use conversation time to express how much you appreciate what your spouse does, how they contribute to the family, what you admire about them. Just like I discussed in a previous podcast about admiring God during prayer, it's important to actually do this with your spouse. Tell them that you love them and why you love them. Now fast forward to now when our children range from 9 to 15 years old. This is a great time for us. We get to have regular dates, regular alone time. It's heavenly. We talk about everything and anything. We talk about our day. We actually, during the day we're talking, we're, we're texting each other, we're calling each other. We talk at the table. We get our kids involved in the communication. We linger every morning in our bedroom so that we can chat before we head out. We have evolved from talking to true communication, and it is wonderful. We've learned over the past 20 years to express our feelings, our concerns, our joys, our worries, and then we reciprocate by validating feelings, comforting concerns, sharing the joys, praying together over worries. Successful communication is a two-way street, and this is the hardest part of marriage, especially if one's a talker and one's not. It takes effort on both partners. Spouses need to be willing to both talk and listen. The Bible tells us to live every moment of life being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If your spouse has taken the initiative to mention their thoughts and feelings, be quick to listen. Don't just listen so you can spout your next rebuttal. Be slow to speak. Sometimes when your spouse expresses themselves, they aren't actually looking for a solution. They just want you to listen and be there. You can lean in and embrace them. Acknowledge that you're what they've said. Validate the feelings. You don't have to solve anything. And even if it's a grievance against you, you can ask for time to pray before responding. You don't have to be quick to speak. And above all, be slow to grow angry. Actively listen. Actively seek to understand. And accept what's been said. You may have to discuss options for a solution, but you can't do that in anger. We've had many counseling sessions with couples who struggle because one is a talker and one is not. And unfortunately, there are many sessions where one side is willing to put in the work while the other is clearly not. I can't imagine how frustrating that has to be. I have very little advice on that topic. I wish I had more. But I will say this. If you decide to model proper communication, I just have to believe that over time things will improve. Express your thoughts in a calm, respectful, and loving manner. This actually goes for all conversations you have with all people, not just your spouse. And remember that tone is very important. This may involve asking your spouse to help the situation by doing something or not doing something anymore. For example, a wife could sit down and ask her husband respectfully, Hun, I'm struggling with dinner time. Kids are really hungry, they're crying, and they're demanding my attention. When you come home from work, could you just play with them? so that I could finish dinner? 
or perhaps it's more serious and you need to be honest and you have to tell them about a hurt that you're carrying around. You may have to address that knowing that there may not be an improvement, at least not yet. And you can still address it lovingly. You can say, "Hun, I've been feeling devalued lately. I feel I work all day cleaning up and when I see the mail scattered around or clothing all over, I feel my work is in vain. I'm fully aware that you can be vulnerable and get no response to some of these things. I am so very sorry about that. Sometimes no matter when or how you address an issue, it's met with defensiveness and anger. I really hate that for you. I hate that anyone would have to experience that. But it's important to try. Be sure the timing is correct, that you address it in private, no kids around, not at your parents' house, not at a packed out restaurant. Be sure that you're not nitpicking, choose your battles. And like I said, picking up a sock and tossing it in the hamper takes way less energy and time than picking your way into an, a fight. Pray as you pick it up. Ask God to help your spouse to contribute. Ask God to change your own perspective and to not care about the sock. Ask God to remove any resentment that can come from it and the millions of socks that you've picked up over the years. And then maybe perhaps say out loud, oh, praise God for my spouse and that my spouse has feet. <laughs> you know, I have this fear of losing my husband. I get really neurotic over him getting sick and I force all kinds of vitamins down his throat constantly. <laughs> the thought of living without him brings tears to my eyes. Just the thought. So long ago I decided that everything that bothered me about my husband did not need to be expressed. I would rather have him with me with all of his messes than to not have him at all and have a clean area. Seriously guys, he's really not that messy. <laughs> Like I said, I'm just trying to use examples that are respectful to him and our marriage. But in all honesty, those tiny annoyances, I'd rather have them than not have him. So I'll embrace the silly small things as I embrace him, and I'll praise God that he does the same for me. I'm not perfect. I'm not the best roommate. But he loves me past it. He recently told me that when he's cleaning up a mess that's been left around the house for days, he tells himself, you know, my kids can read. My kids are thriving in school. My kids know more about advanced English than I ever learned. My wife taught them all that. So if that means I have to clean more after her after a hard day of teaching, the sacrifice is worth it. I was floored. Not only did that give me a boost as a homeschooling mom, but it actually made me want to clean up my messes more and not leave them for him to have to deal with. Communication can be the biggest act of love even if it's one-sided for a while while the other one catches up. A better relationship with your spouse begins with prayer, then communication with each other. I read Stormy O'Martian's Power of a Praying Wife the first five years of my marriage, over and over again. It's a fabulous resource. It's a 30-prayer book that you pray over your husband. There's a wife one too, parents, there's kids ones. It's the best. I decided that I was going to read it, and instead of approaching my husband on every single issue, I was going to pray first. So I would write down the issue, or the annoyance, or the criticism, or whatever that he was doing that was upsetting me. I was going to write it on a post-it note, and stick that note into the chapter that it worked into. So if it was a financial issue, I'd put it into the prayer for our finances. If it was a time management thing, I would put it into the prayer that was labeled time management. And then I decided not to approach the subject with my husband until I prayed thoroughly over it. Do you know how many times I was throwing away those post-it notes, 
because either the issue was taken care of or my heart changed in the matter, 99% of those things did not need to be addressed. We can choose not to bring up every annoyance, every little thing that wasn't our way. We learn to ask, hey, can you take the trash out? Instead of harboring hatred over an overflowing trash can that each one of us expected the other person to take out. What it boils down to is loving and respecting your spouse. If it needs to be addressed, address it properly. If it doesn't, let it go and love your spouse past it. I spoke with a friend the other day who was very upset that her husband never washed and put his coffee cup away. She had a routine, and by the time she left for work each day, the dishes were washed by hand and put away. But he was continually drinking his coffee after that and placing it beside the sink dirty. She had asked him if he could quickly wash out his cup and put it away, but it was still being done day after day, leaving a dirty coffee mug by the sink. By the time we had the conversation, she was in tears because he didn't value her time, her commitment to a clean house, or her communication that she preferred it to be clean and put away. It's tough when we feel unheard. It's tough when we want things our way and someone else wants things their way. It's tough when it seems like it's about a dirty coffee mug, but deep down the hurt comes from being unheard by our spouse. And like I said, my heart breaks for these situations. So much more can be said on the how-tos of communication, but in my limited capacity to counsel anyone through a simple podcast, my main advice is to continue praying, loving, respecting, and modeling proper communication. I'll have more in the podcast notes if you're looking for more resources and help, but I cannot express enough the power of prayer in these situations. It's so easy to give a three-point how-to on communication. It's not so easy to live it out. It's even harder to live out when you have someone who isn't willing to go the lengths that you are. But I believe there's hope. I believe that through prayer, God can guide you and will. I believe that through a desire to honor God in your communication with your spouse or a parent or a kid or a boss or whoever, you can make a difference. I'm praying for those who feel stuck in a one-sided communication problem. And I'm praying for those who desire to make a change today. I'd love to hear your success stories. Please email them to me or message me on Facebook or Instagram. The more success stories that we hear, the more that we're going to learn. Communication is very important. God set up prayer so we could connect with Him. And He made us beings who crave connection. Communication is part of that. It's important to work on it and do your part. Because in reality, you can't do someone else's. You'll find more resources on the website. Go to justanordinarygirlpodcast.wordpress.com. The journey is worth it, no matter where you are in this timeline. Pre-marriage, early years, baby years, teen years, empty nesters. If you're still married, there's hope. I feel I've missed so much in this quick 25 minutes, but I pray it's a jumping off point for you. I would love to leave you with this. Remember, James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Ordinary Girl Stevie. (music) 